With the 14th pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Boston Celtics select Romeo Langford, Grant Williams, Carson Edwards, Tremont Waters, Vincent Poirier, Javante Green, Robert Williams III, Jimmy Ogilvy, Brad Wanamaker, Daniel Tice, Dennis Cantor, Taco Fall, Marcus Smart, Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, from the University of Connecticut. Welcome back to From the Rafters, presented by Bannertown USA and Parquet Press. Uh, Sam and I are back again this week with another really cool guest, but uh, I'll let him introduce himself, so take it away, man. Yeah, my name is Dante Toro, uh, a.k.a. Downtown Deck. You can follow me on Twitter, at Downtown Deck. Uh, there, you know, I have my own blog. Um, I've just started going with my own podcast myself, uh, Chasing Banners, and I have another one also in the works that will be coming out soon. So, uh, yeah, but I'm excited to be on, guys. Thank you for having me. Anytime, man. Thanks for agreeing to come on. I appreciate it a lot. Yes, thank you. Uh, a lot of new stuff going on in the NBA. Uh, last week, we talked about the return to play with the 22-man format. And this week, we saw all these things about replacement players because some players potentially not wanting to come back because of uh, worries about their health or safety reasons. Do you want to just touch on that real quick? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, personally, I think the 22-team format is – probably the best way they could have done it you know by bringing back teams that are within uh, reach of making the ac my biggest concern or i wouldn't say concern but my biggest thing uh pet peeve would have been like you know teams that were close to making the playoffs and they wouldn't have had a chance to you know truly compete for that eighth seed and i really wasn't sure you know about a full-on play I, they are doing a playing tournament but i wasn't sure if they were going to do like um they were talking about doing like a, a FIFA couple that had like different divisions, stuff like that. So I really didn't know what they had in mind, but I feel like the whole eight regular season games. And then, you know, at the end of that, if you're within a certain amount of games, you haven't played in tournament. I'm a fan of that. Um, I think the only team that voted against it was actually the trailblazers. And Damian Lillard did say that, you know, he didn't really want to come back if they weren't meaningful games. The trailblazers thought there could have been a more competitive way of doing it. But obviously they got outnumbered by the 29 other NBA teams. So, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm a fan of how they're doing it. I feel like it's the fairest way to do it. And it also helps with seeding purposes as far as, like, you know, teams that are within a few games of each other, like two, three, four seeds, and just seeing how that plays out. I think those eight regular season games are going to make a big difference come playoff time. Yeah, I agree completely. I said this last week, I think, but um, my personal view is that the Blazers just thought that I, I wouldn't say scared, but they were worried about the other teams in front of them, like and them potentially not making the playoffs because I think it means more to the Blazers, like the Grizzlies and the Pelicans at least, and the Kings even are just looking to get some playoff experience. Meanwhile, the Blazers are in win now mode and they're barely getting the eight seed, scraping away at it. So I think that's one of the things they were worried about, trying to cut it down the competition they needed to get into the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, I think this was probably the best option they had uh, for coming back to play as soon as possible. Uh, I mentioned replacement players. Sam, do you want to touch on that real quick? Like, uh, what's the deal with that? What do you think about replacement players, quote-unquote, being well, in the return? What I think – well, first off, they're expanding the roster size to 17 players, and they're letting the two-way yeah. contracts be permanent for the playoffs, which, uh, like, a couple of years ago you saw it, so, like – Jabari Bird got some 
playing time towards the end of the season. He was playing well, but they couldn't play him in the playoffs because he didn't play enough games. So that's not going to be a thing. Like Taco, Tremont Waters, those Carson Edwards, those players will be able to make the roster for the playoffs. And also, if they you know are played, it's going to be fine. There's no problem with that. Um, and then there's a little bit of a uproar going on these last couple of days with players saying that they don't want to play in this uh, playoff format yeah. uh, comeback. Mm-hmm. And um, so I guess they're thinking about replacement players for those guys. I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work. But one thing I just sent to you, Jack, and I saw um, was <laughs> yeah, that just saw Kyrie <laughs> has been a driving force in organizing calls and raising concerns over the NBA's bubble plan. <laughs> so... Of course, he's, classic. he's back at it. Classic. Well, and he's not even going to be playing, so why yeah, does he even care? Exactly. What are your thoughts on that, Dante Kyrie, in this uproar? Yeah, thing? you know, I'm. I don't really want to. Uh, from what I've read and from the most recent thing I saw is that there are going to be up to 200 players on a conference call discussing, um, you know, their concerns about being in a bubble because. The bubble, I mean, if they stay in the bubble, it would be 95, it would be around 95 days that they'd have to stay in an area. And I think players, a lot of players um, are upset because they didn't get their voices heard. And it, it kind of confused me because the, the Players Association voted on this. So I, I would have thought that, you know, at least these higher up players, these star players would have at least, you know, not only voted on it and agreed to it, but involved other players as well. So there's, there's a few things I'm confused about, but. Um, you know, I, I kind of agree with the whole Kyrie thing. Like, he's the one organizing everything, and I understand his concern, but at the same time, he's not the one playing. So that also confuses me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, at the end of the day, I understand what the NBA is trying to do by keeping everyone together so they don't go out, have to worry about getting sick and stuff. But I think the issue is just that players weren't given a heads up about it. And I don't know if that was a problem. I don't know if that's the NBA's fault, like Adam Silver's or if that's just the players association not including you know every player in that discussion so i'm, I'm curious to see where this is going to go um because this is just i mean this news is uh, fairly new like this is coming out today like 30 minutes ago they were talking about how right. the conference call could take up to 200 players and Kyrie's involved and all that stuff so i'm curious to see what they're going to do now i mean it would be the biggest it would be the it would be so upsetting if, you know, after all of this, the NBA decides to, I don't think this will happen, but it would be so upsetting if the NBA just scrapped everything at, at this point. I don't think that will happen. I think the NBA might be a little bit more um, lenient. They might let the uh, players have a little bit more leeway as far as you know, where they can travel um, outside the bubble and stuff like that. So, I, I'm, I'm just, I mean, I really don't know. This is all, this is fairly new stuff. So, I really don't know what they're going to do, um, but I hope this doesn't, you know, play a factor as far as the NBA season continuing yeah I'd be I'd be devastated if the NBA canceled now like I understand it's safety concerns and you need to take all the precautions necessary but I think all the fans would be you know distraught as you mentioned I know Max Letterman said last week uh we were talking about how they might be able to have their families or they will be able to have their families because you can't tear a man away from his family for Mm. 95 days or whatever and he was like, imagine telling your kids uh, you're staying in Disney World, but you can't go to any of the parks. Like, that's <laughs> that's going to be awful uh, for them. So I, I obviously I'm not a businessman. I'm doing a Celtics podcast. But if Disney like opened one of the parks 
for like the players to like to give them a little more free space. Like I know that's probably a huge business issue, but like if they could work out something with Disney where they had a little more space to roam, maybe that would help ease the concerns of some of the players. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with that too, you know, with the fact that, you know, being away from your family and stuff like that, that is a big issue, but that's why it confuses me. Like, was this stuff not discussed when they agreed to all of this? Like that, that's, that's the part that confuses me. So I, I, I want to know, I hope they come to a a conclusion, a a way to just solve all this. I mean, I'm sure if there are enough players from what I saw too, is that two thirds of the top 40 NBA players might, you know, are concerned about it and they might threaten to sit out if something isn't resolved. So, you know, if you have that many amount of your top players having a concern like that, I think Adam Silver and the NBA is going to, um, they're going to have to do something about it. Yeah, I think Adam Silver needs to get on top of this. I mean, I, I understand the concerns, obviously, but I don't know what else is there to do. Do you guys have any ideas? Like, what could Adam do besides, like, maybe give them more space or help? I, I don't know. I'm kind of at a loss. Sam, you have any ideas what he could do? No, it's kind of tough because, like, this is still such a serious thing. And, like, it's awesome that they are trying to go forward with the season right now and, like, finish it. But, like, there really aren't that many great solutions to the problem like opening one of the parks exclusively to them would be I kinda, a pretty I solid like idea I, I, I'm not, sorry to cut you off I kind of like nope. that idea too because I feel like if you know it, it, that's a whole thing that you have to get involved with uh with Disney and you'd have to like discuss things with them I'm sure the NBA would have to pay a pay a, a pretty penny to do something <laughs> yeah, like for that sure. but you know like I said like if it means that it works out and it favors the players and that they'll want to play that that just might be something you have to do but yeah go go ahead i didn't want to interrupt you there no no worries um but you know what's kind of funny is like i mean you really haven't heard about anybody that specifically said that they don't want the season to come back but it doesn't really seem like there's any um resistance around the season coming back at least regarding the celtics like all those guys seem super pumped to be back in the gym which is awesome. He's going to be ready to play when it comes July 31st. And uh, hopefully they'll be playing some good basketball because it would be a shame for them to come back and not do well. For sure. Yeah. yeah, I know I was, I was personally drooling over the small uh, amounts of footage we got of Tatum and Hayward and even taco putting up a three. That was the icing on top. Uh, What do you, what are you looking forward to most about uh, the Celtics coming back to play Dante? Honestly, I mean, at this point, I'm just excited to see basketball come back in general, to be completely honest with you. Um, I'm honestly, my biggest thing that I'm going to be looking out for is how Jason Tatum's going to continue to play when he comes back. Because, I mean, we all know, I mean, as Celtics fans, from the months of, from July to when the season ended, the guy was just, he was playing like one of the best players in the NBA. And, you know, at the young age of 20, 22, like that's just incredible. Just the stuff that he was doing beating teams like the Lakers, the Clippers, um, beating the top teams in the NBA they've done throughout the year. So I'm curious to see. I, it took a little while for Tatum to invest in the basketball hoop. So he, he went a little <laughs> while without shooting. He had no that hoop. kind of scared me a little bit. <laughs> How are you an NBA player? You have nowhere to practice at your yeah. house. Well, I think he yeah. lives in apartments, actually. I'm not really sure, but I think he does live in an apartment building. But all, still, like. All we know is that he didn't have a hoop at the time. Um, but it took him a while to invest in one. And once he did, uh, obviously, that my concern level is kind of went down a little bit but then seeing uh these clips you guys are mentioning all these little clips like listen at this point i could get a five second clip and that's all i need to see uh one of the shooting coaches for tatum said that he probably hit around 90 percent of his shots when he was back 
Um, I'm not, I'm not uh, getting my hopes up. I'm not thinking Tatum's going to come back, you know, average 30 points a game. But I'd like to see him come back and you know, put up maybe his season averages around 23, 24. And, you know, I, I really hope that he has a really strong uh, end of the season for the eight regular season games and has a really good showing in the playoffs. Because if he does, I mean, that, that, that can just put him on a whole other level as far as where he stands as um, in the tier of NBA players today. I think um, the break really benefits the Celtics because they were dealing with injuries, of course, like Kemba. Kemba was um, having to rest because of his knees. He's finally gotten to rest. He might come back and surprise a lot of people, uh, not around the franchise, like uh, other teams and stuff like that. Um, I think Robert Williams might be able to have an impact in the center rotation. It was uh, nice to see him come back a bit before the whole cancellation, but they definitely missed him throughout the season because he was solid at the beginning of the year. So those are two things I'm personally looking forward to. Kemba, Robert Williams, even Cantor. Cantor was hurt real bad, banged up before the season had to come to a stop. So he was solid in some games. People don't give him enough credit. That could be a big um, X factor for the Celtics. Yeah, I agree. I feel like and it's something that's beneficial for every team, obviously, you know, having the time off and players getting to heal up. But the Celtics were pretty banged up uh, towards the end of the season. Kemba Walker like, had, had some knee injuries. Uh, Jalen Brown. He sat out a few games towards the end of the season. He had a, um, I, I forget, I don't know if it was his, it was lower, it was his lower body. I don't know if it was his knee or his calf or, or his foot or something, but he, he was nursing some type of injury. Um, and then Robert Williams, he started to come back, but he was hurt throughout the year. So I feel like, like you said, I mean, this benefited the Celtics especially because, you know, we were nursing injuries and if the season kept going, we would have had to sacrifice some, maybe a few losses here and there if we had to sit some of our top guys, which could have affected the seating. Um, so the fact that, you know, they got uh, three months off or it'll be three months off by the time the season comes back, that'll be beneficial to them. I mean, they'll be up, they'll be ready to go. And, you know, the same can be same about the same could be said about other NBA teams. But, you know, since the Celtics had uh, multiple players that were injured, it, it, it will help them a ton. It's funny you mentioned that because, uh, like, I feel like it might actually negatively affect the Raptors, who are absolutely on fire before the break. Now they've had to sit out for months feel like their momentum might be gone. That's good for the Celtics as well. I mean, last week we kind of talked about this, but, like, it doesn't matter as much for them to get home court now as it did before the break because mm-hmm. it's obviously a neutral site, but you still like to see them finish as high as they can, I guess, in the standings. It would be good for the team's uh, confidence going in. I'd really like to see the Celtics manage to scrape their way to the two seed. I know it's kind of tough. Like, I think they're three games back of Toronto right now. But if they could get that, I'd much rather have them face uh, like Brooklyn, Orlando, or Washington uh, instead of whoever it is. I will say the last time we played Washington, Ish Smith became a demigod. So (laughs) maybe maybe Washington's not the best option out of those three. But um, but yeah, for sure. Is there any matchup you'd uh, personally like to see Dante in the first round for the Celtics? In the first round, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't lie to you if I, I, I'd be lying to you if I said I wouldn't want to play a team like the Nets or the Magic in the first round for sure. I feel like that would be the easiest competition for Boston uh, right now. Where it stands, we would face Philadelphia, and as much as you know, I still, I think the Celtics would really have no issue beating Philadelphia, even though they, they have, they have the upper hand on us in the regular season. They won three games, we won once. Um, you know, playoffs is a whole different thing. Uh, I think Ben Simmons, uh, the, the, I think the Philadelphia 76ers won't be a factor. They'll never make 
a serious run in the playoffs until Ben Simmons learns to shoot because I agree. Have your starting star point guard standing at the three point line and then someone standing at the free throw line uh, defending him. Like that's just, you know, that's just not how it works. And that's not how you're going to win in the NBA. So, I mean, I wouldn't have any issue playing Philadelphia. I think they would. It would be an interesting series. I don't think it would. I don't think we would sweep them. I don't think we would win in five games even. Um, it would probably go six games, maybe even seven. Um, but I'm pretty confident in the Celtics in the first round. I don't think they'll have any issue there. And you guys brought up the neutral, uh, the neutral site. And I honestly, like, that benefit, I mean, that benefits every team, of course, like you said, with the injuries too, like as far as coming back from injuries. But, like, the neutral site, like, listen, the fact that Boston doesn't have to go into Toronto, like, let's say Toronto had the two seed and they had, we go to seven games and they have four games at home. Playing in Toronto is tough. I mean, for any NBA team, like, playing in Toronto is one of the hardest places to play. So the fact that we don't have to go to Toronto, deal with, you know, their fans breathing down the Celtics' necks or anything like that, and same with Milwaukee, like, that's huge. Like, that'll be a huge difference maker, the fact that the Celtics can just jump right into Orlando and just play. I mean, I don't – there's going to be no fans. I don't know if they'll do anything as far as, like, uh, noise volume. I I saw something about getting 2K noise, which I think would be absolutely stupid, Um, but that's another topic. Uh, so I think the Celtics, just the fact that they just can go right in and not have to worry about opposing fans or anything, that really benefits them. So I, 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 I'm pretty confident in this team, especially in the first round, but it all depends on the matchups too going, uh, going forward after the first round. Oh, 2K noise, that killed me. Oh, no, I saw listen, that. Man, I think, I think like, Sam. I, that's a real thing. I understand like they're under, I understand why they'd want to do it. The whole, like we want noise and stuff like that, but like 2K, like. That's just so stupid. Like, I listen, I play 2K. Like, that's one of the games I play a lot. And I, I have to turn down the volume. Like, I just don't have the crowd noise on. I don't have yeah. the crowd noise on, nothing. Like, it's just so <laughs> annoying. And, like, I just wouldn't be able to I, – I, I'd watch it, of course. But, like, I just – I don't know. I wouldn't be able to stand it. I'd much rather – I don't know why the NBA just let there be no noise. Let the players talk. I mean, let hear the players have conversations this and that yeah will there be a few swears here and there yeah of course but i mean listen i mean if you're not if you're not accustomed to hearing swear words at this day and age and i don't know what to tell you um so i feel like that would just be the best uh the best thing to do but uh we don't have to talk about uh 2k crowd noise or anything yeah. like that i just wanted to bring yeah. that up it's i mean stupid if they do that <laughs> if they bring 2k crowd noise they might as well just have david aldridge's every game yeah, like and being that, ready to be yeah, skipped right. <laughs> yeah, right. Everyone would skip over that. Oh, my God, man. I saw – that reminded me. I, I laughed because my brother sent me something. Uh, my, my friend Danny likes to bet on random sports now that basketball has gone. And so he's betting on the Korean, the Korean Baseball League. Oh, dude, my friend did that too. <laughs> and they play with stuffed animals in the stands. Instead no of way. Fans. Really? It, it, yeah, they it, have cardboard cutouts. Bizarre what? thing. I didn't, I didn't see that. That's insane. Yeah. One thing that I saw, um, like I like soccer a lot. So like the Premier League, one of the teams is like offering fans the opportunity to buy a cardboard cutout of themselves and put it in the stadium during games. That's creepy. I feel like that's more creepy than anything. Yeah. I saw one thing where people are like, they're going to put iPads on seats and they're going to have like fans can tune in and like you could hear them in that aspect. But I'm like that. Are, are we just being that much extra now? Like stuffed animals, <laughs> paperboard cutouts. Like I feel like that's more creepy than any, than anything. <laughs> I'd rather just have no fans at that point. I'm gonna send you the picture of the stuffed animals and the fans right now on Twitter. But yeah, yeah I here just, it is. Like, I don't get it. Like why just just play with no don't, no don't fans? Just just play. Just oh play basketball. God. 
Oh man, I just I I just want. I feel like it'd be even more entertaining to hear like Greg Popovich yell at DeMar DeRozan to take a three pointer or something like that. Just hear like the interactions between the players and the coaches or even Our the players coach. in general. No way. That's a real thing. That's what I'm saying. I was That's like, what? Weird. You got SpongeBob in the front row. You got Winnie the Pooh, <laughs> Pikachu. No way. Dude. Oh, man. No, they can't do that. I, I know. I know Disney, they might have, they might want to put the <laughs> Disney stuffed animal bed now. That's crazy. Oh my God. I can't I can't get behind that. <laughs> you got <laughs> Wait, Goofy and Mickey Mouse front row seats. Yeah, Korean baseball league, man. Damn. Oh my that's god. Cra- it's on Sports Center. I don't know how I didn't see that. That's that's <sighs> weird. That's really they, that's, they that's do really stuff weird. different out there. Oh my god, I man. So. <sighs> I can't I get over it. That. They just, what if they just paid their actors? Like, you know when you go to Disney? I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but I've been there like you'll, twice, I think, in my you'll life. You'll have Mickey Mouse. Yeah, they have all these actors, like, dressed up in costumes, <laughs> or even, like, the princesses, like, that are always happy. They just put them in the stands, and they're oh just clapping God. and cheering the whole thing. <laughs> uh, that, I really hope they don't do that. <laughs> oh, that'd be terrible. Oh. That's funny. Anyways, back... <laughs> Back on, back back on, on track. Topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, I don't even remember what we were talking about. Um, I saw you just tweeted uh, a couple hours ago, uh, Marcus Smart's not getting enough love in the Defensive Player of the Year voting. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think he's playing yeah, like too. one of the most hostile players in the NBA by far. Maybe it's my bias as a Celtics fan, but I, I don't understand what goes through these guys' heads. Like Pat Bev is getting more votes than Marcus Smart. I, like I get Pat Bev's on the Clippers, I guess. They're like... They have a better record than us, but I just feel like Marcus Smart's a better all-around defender. Yeah, I don't know. Well, like, you want to explain your thought process on that? Like, I agree completely, but like, just yeah. So, I mean, with the point of the article, I mean, I'm not advocating Marcus Smart to win the award by any means. I just feel like not just Marcus Smart, but just guards in general, like they they don't get as much respect. Hundred percent. And the and the fact that Patrick Beverly is the is the number one guard on this list baffles me. I mean, like, listen, I I, I don't. I'm not the biggest fan of the guy. I, I talk my trash every once in a while about him shooting. But Ben Simmons this year was an amazing defender. Even Drew Holiday is one of the, is a very underrated guard, uh, defensive guard. And the fact that they're not listed over Patrick Beverly, like if if one of those two guys was ahead of Marcus Smart, I'd understand it. But I don't understand how Marcus Smart is rated so lowly. And it's just, and I was looking into this too. The last guard to win the Defensive Player of the Award was Gary Payton in 1996, and before him, there's only four other players that won Defensive Player of the Year. And I, I just think that guards in today's NBA deserve more respect as to what they do, especially Marcus Smart. And I feel like the disrespect and everything with Marcus Smart comes down to the fact that you know he doesn't have other stats to back it up. He doesn't have the most amazing offensive stats. People don't understand the impact that Marcus Smart leaves on the court for the Celtics because they just don't watch the Celtics. I mean, when you, if, as Celtics fans, we watch the games, we understand that when he comes into the game, he makes a difference. Like, there's just no going around that. There's no doubt about that. Marcus Smart brings it every night. He is the hustle guy. He's the guy that lays his body out for a, a loose ball. Even when the game's tied 2-2 at the beginning of the game, he'll still lay out to get the ball. Like, that's the type of player he is. He's a dog. And not for nothing. I mean, the Celtics had the fourth best defensive rating in the NBA. And I think that speaks volumes to, you know, what Marcus Smart brings to the table. I mean, before the season started, the the people were talking about how the Celtics weren't going to be that great defensively, losing uh, Al Horford, losing Aaron Baines, uh, even losing Marcus Morris. I mean, we lost a lot of guys that 
brought the effort on the defensive end and really showed up for us. And the fact that we are that high rated in the league for defensive rating, that says something. I think, you know, it's it's like this every year. Marcus Smart, he made the first team all, uh, all NBA defense team last year, which is great. But when it comes down, like, I mean, like I said, I'm not advocating for him to win it. I think Giannis, this is his year to win the defensive player of the year and the MVP. And he'd be the third player to ever do that in the same season which is incredible, but, you know, someone like Marcus Smart, he deserves to be up there. I mean, maybe top three in voting, maybe top four. I don't know. Just, he just deserves more respect. Uh, he just deserves way, way more respect than he does. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just – they just disrespect guards. Like, you, we can hate on Ben Simmons all we want, like, for not being able to shoot. Like, he's a sixer. I'm obviously going to give him hate. But that man's probably the best defensive guard in the league. I mean, exactly. I was being six six foot ten, but still. Like, he stays with everybody on the perimeter. He can guard the post. He can do everything. And Patrick Beverly above him? Like, I respect Patrick Beverly's game, the hustle, Patrick. the, like, grind yeah. from Europe and everything. But, like, come on, dude. He's ben Simmons is just – He's Ugh. a fake tough guy. I think Russell yeah. Westbrook, James Harden said it best. He's just a guy that's in your face. He's going to talk a lot of trash, but when it comes down to mm-hmm. it, I'd much rather have Marcus Smart than Patrick Beverly guarding guarding the opposing team's guard or best player any day of the week. I mean, and that, I, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not no disrespect to Patrick Beverly, of course. I mean, he's one of those guys that you know you probably would want on your team because you hate going up against him. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like Marcus Smart's a better defender than he is. The other thing about Marcus is like. You truly have the confidence that he can guard anybody, one through five. Beverly doesn't really mm-hmm. have the size oh, for that. Now, for Marcus sure. isn't even that tall of a guy either. I think he's really only 6'3", six, 6'4", six, but uh-huh. you, you always think, like, it's funny when teams post him up and it's like, you, you know that's not a mismatch. Like, the other teams think it's a mismatch, but you know it's not watching mm-hmm. the game. You know that they're not going to score. So he doesn't get enough credit. One thing about Marcus that, like, I, I kind of want to talk about, do you guys think – if he stays here and he wins a championship, do you think he gets his number retired? Uh, that's tough. That's, that's tough. a tough question, actually. I mean, I feel like if he stacks up all defensive team awards, mm-hmm. um, if he, you know, I mean, he's top 10 on the Celtics for three-pointers made. I mean, <laughs> believe it or not, so, uh, Marcus Smart's climbing up <laughs> that ranking. Right. Uh, if, he, if he continues to go up these lists, uh, steals, defensive stats and all that stuff i mean listen i got my marcus smart was that was the first like real celtics jersey i bought i mean most of my jerseys i just buy off like aliexpress or something for cheap because i was oh yeah dh kid for me yeah i always worry about buying one for 125 (laughs) dollars and then that person gets traded and it would just upset me that i spent that much money so i usually get jerseys like that but marcus smart was the first jersey i really bought and yeah i wanted to be a celtic for life and i i mean i'm all for having his jersey retired uh, when his career is over. I just think he needs to um, – he definitely needs to – he needs to add to his accolades. And winning a championship or two, I think that also um, – that would put him over the top as far as getting his jersey I retired. think so too, especially if he stays his whole career, gets drafted, you know. I think he's right now the next great Celtic, maybe not the best Celtic player, but like in terms of being a Celtic, it's Marcus Smart. favorite too. yeah. He embodies what it means to mm-hmm. be a part of the Celtics, I think. So I think, yes, if he wins here, for sure. Yeah. Um, that's a good question, though. I, that's not something I really even thought about before. Yeah. One of my, I have a friend that like consistently says no. That's why I asked. I wanted to know if you guys thought so. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's definitely possible. And like possible. Speaking, of, speaking of if Marcus Smart's going to be a Celtic for life, I know 
uh, our buddy Adam Taylor tweeted a few weeks ago, and I responded. He's like, would you trade Marcus Smart and, like, the Grizzlies pick or our late first-round pick to move up in the draft and maybe get, like, a James Wiseman? And, like, oh, not to I, move I don't, up in the draft. Yeah, no. I, I was like, I don't think I could part ways with, with Marcus Smart just to get another young asset. He's it's not too even something important. that's guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I think what Marcus Smart brings to the table for the Celtics, like we said, like, he gets disrespected because – he doesn't have the stats to show for it. People just don't watch the Celtics. But Celtics fans know how valuable he is to the team. And someone like Marcus Smart is someone that you want, that you need on a championship contending team because he's someone that just brings something to the table that not everyone does. I mean, he has talents. He has skills that you just can't teach. He just goes out there and just does – he just he is, he is just does what Marcus Smart does, and that's what makes him so special. So, I mean, I – for some like, listen, James Wiseman – is could he be an absolute stud one day yeah i do believe that but it's like why i wouldn't trade a sure thing for someone that at this point you don't know what he'll become i mean that's just me thinking that one day he will be but that doesn't mean he will be a stud one day so i wouldn't i would never trade a sure thing for a prospect and something that might not even work out especially marcus smart like he's a glue that keeps the team together so losing someone like him that could really damage the chemistry that could really damage the rotation and like what the Celtics do as a team. I mean, like I said, he does things that no one else does. And it's going to be not impossible, but it would be nearly impossible to replace someone like Marcus Smart. Yeah, that's what I said too. I, I think I responded with something along the lines of it's much harder to replace what Marcus Smart brings uh, than to like bring another young asset. Like it's much more important to have that mm-hmm. type of defense and uh, hustle and everything. Um, but yeah, moving on, I know you've also been tweeting in the past few weeks about, uh, wrapping it back around to replacement players, I guess, Isaiah Thomas, uh, the potential return. I'm huge on that. He actually liked one of my tweets. I've been tweeting at him to come on this podcast and he, he liked it this morning and I kind of flipped, flipped out, but that's awesome. uh, yeah, I know. I'm kind of hyped, but... Well, if he comes on your podcast, let me know. I might have to make another guest appearance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for sure. I'll, I'll let you know if any, any miracles happen, but uh, do you think he would genuinely fit and gel well with this Celtics roster the way it's built? So, this is how I look at it, is if Isaiah Thomas came back to the Celtics, and he has said in the past that he has no hard feelings towards Danny Ainge organization, he would be open to a return. At this point in his career, the way this the the way the roster is set up, he would be he would be a veteran presence in the locker room. So, especially for this playoff run, you know we can have seventeen players now. People have been saying like, who would you cut? Who would, like what young player would you like take out? Well, well, like I'm saying, you wouldn't have to. You might not. I mean, if you do that, you won't be able to bring up both Tremont and Taco if that's the direction you want to go down. Bringing up a two way player, but you know, bringing in someone like Isaiah Thomas. For him to be effective, he doesn't need to be on the court to be effective. I mean, I think he's someone that you can just throw in on the team. The locker room would love him. He's familiar with a lot of these guys on the team. Like, him and Jalen Brown are always on Twitter, like, going back and forth with each other. Like, they're best buddies. I feel like it would be great for the locker room, great for the chemistry, great for the young guys. And I think that um, him being on the team wouldn't really mess anything up, especially if he wouldn't play. And I think if he would come back to Boston – he would understand that his role wouldn't be to go out there and be the Isaiah Thomas he was three years ago. Now, could he, could Brad Stevens be like, listen, you know, we're down 10 points in the third quarter. We need a spark off the bench. 
could he throw Isaiah Thomas in and just have him, you know, just see what he can do? Absolutely. And I think that that's also something that could work. But right away, especially in this playoff run, I can't see him just being thrown in and just, like, taking someone's minutes. So I think if he would come back, like, let's say next season, he would have a chance to be a beneficial player off the bench. It's just he would really have to earn those minutes because you can't just take away minutes from someone that's worked for that spot or players like, I mean, Carson Edwards didn't have the best year, but he's someone that can grow. He's someone that will develop more playing time. Uh, Tremont Waters, I I mean, I personally think Tremont Waters would be a, a perfect backup point guard for the Celtics. Cause he just, I'm a huge Tremont Waters I, guy. Tremont yeah, Waters, we um, were both pretty big on him. Yeah, he's big on the defensive end. I mean, there was mm-hmm. one game during the year he came in, we were down by a certain amount of points, and by the time he subbed out, he was like a plus 16, plus 17 in the box score. People can say what they want about the plus minus and the box score and stuff, but that shows that he made an impact when he was on the court. Like he just made—he's a smart player, makes the smart plays. He's a little, a bit undersized, but hey, I mean, that's fine. I mean, he still—he does what he can at that size. So I mean, I'm a big fan of Tremont Waters, but if Isaiah Thomas can be accepting of a role as being like a more of a veteran leader, I think that will benefit the team a ton, especially you know these last few games. The, this postseason run, just having someone like that there that the players would love to have around, I, I think that would be a huge difference. I mean, like I said, he doesn't have to play to make a difference. I think just him being there, and I think the fans would love it, the players would love it. I mean, it would bring a buzz around the team. People saying it would be a distraction. It, I really don't think it would be a distraction, especially in this playoffs, like with, if an, in a neutral zone. I mean, it's one thing if you're at the TD Garden and people are chanting Isaiah's name all the time, but yet people do that with Taco Fall. And it really isn't that much of a distraction. You know, I mean, it doesn't really uh, cause Brad Stevens to just put Taco Fall whenever the fans chant for him. Uh, so I think that it would, I, I don't think it would be any issue at all if Isaiah Thomas came back. Um, will it happen? I mean, it's all hypotheticals. I mean, he said that he wouldn't mind coming back. There really isn't much talk about, you know, if he actually will come back to the Celtics or if he'll even go to a playoff team. Um, but I mean, that's something I, I speak. I think I speak for uh, a few, uh, a good amount of Boston Celtics fans when I say that I, I wouldn't mind him being back in, uh, being back in Boston. At yeah. Least for a little bit, at least for a little bit. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like you said, with Marcus Smart, uh, my girlfriend in high school got me an Isaiah Thomas jersey and it was the first like actual jersey I ever had. And like, it just like made me love the Celtics even more. Like for some reason, just having that like little connection to like Isaiah Thomas or whatever. I still have it. It doesn't fit me anymore. Like I've grown since then, but like, it's just, he was so iconic. Like he was here for three years. And I remember, I think Rondo tweeted at him like, oh, they don't hang Eastern Conference championship banners in the rafters or whatever. But like just those, that three year stretch of him just dominating everybody was Uh iconic. It was just he was, fifth, he was fifth in MVP vote. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's just like no one expected that to happen. Mm-hmm. So that's why everyone loved it so much. I mean, that Celtics team was they were number one in the Eastern Conference. I mean, that that like if that team made the Eastern Conference, I mean, that also gives me reason to be confident in this team because I think this team is much better than that team. Mm-hmm. But uh, right. it's just that the, the fact that the Celtics, that Isaiah Thomas was able to lead that team. I mean, he was the only star. I mean, the second best player was Al Horford, and I mean. Al Horford isn't, he was never a star player. He was an all star player, but he was never a guy that you could rely on to score 20 points a night or anything like that. Isaiah Thomas had to literally put the team on his back 
for a, a good chunk of that season and just go out there and drop 30. Especially in the playoffs. Especially in the playoffs, dude. I mean, and, and not, the Washington nothing, series was insane. That, one of the best playoffs. Yeah. That, I mean, as, Celt- mm-hmm. as a Celtics fan, I can remember watching. But, I mean, and not for nothing. I mean, it goes without saying. I mean, he played the day after his sister passed away. He played. I was just going to say this, yeah. He busted his teeth two minutes into a game. <laughs> I think it was against the Wizards as well. And he kept playing. Like, I mean, this guy literally yeah. shed blood. He sweat, and he literally shed tears for this team, continued to just do what he had to do because that's that's what made Isaiah Thomas so special, and that's what made that's what makes him one of my favorite Celtics of all time. Yeah, another thing about Isaiah, well, in, I, more about Brad Stevens, is one thing Brad does, he gets the most out of his players for sure. Mm-hmm. You see guys leave the Celtics with probably the exception – of lately Aaron Baines, maybe they really don't continue to play as productively as they do when they were yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Um, so him coming back, he could be something maybe of what he used to be. Not at all. Like the MVP player, maybe the guy that first came here, that was the bench player that was tearing it up. Maybe if he gets time, but once again, he shouldn't be taking minutes from people that have earned them. Um, but you never know, like these eight regular season games, if he was to play here, could be a feeling out process for him. The other thing that would have me bummed, though, is um, that he wouldn't get to play at the Garden. I think yeah. if he got to come back and play at the Garden, yeah. mm-hmm. people would lose their absolute shit if he got to play at the Garden again. Yeah, and that's why I think that uh, this is also something that they should consider doing for next season as well. Like I said, it's same same thing. Even if he doesn't play that much, even just as a veteran locker room guy, um, I think him being there for the entire season, like the fans would love him, the team would love him. It, it would just—I don't know. I, I just don't think. I just really don't think it would hurt. I—I I just don't think anything bad can come out of it. No, I don't think so either. One thing they have to give him his number back, right? If he comes. Ooh, yeah. I, I mean, Carson. Yeah, Edwards, it's what tough. What's he gonna say? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think he has to understand that uh, that number. Uh, and whenever I see Carson Edwards wearing number four, I'm like, damn, that was Isaiah mm-hmm. Thomas. So I yeah. think that would, that would definitely be something they'd have to talk out, but uh, we'll see. Or is, I mean, Isaiah Thomas isn't that bad of a guy. He might pick another number, but the Celtics have a million retired numbers and numbers taken, so God knows what it would even be. It just wouldn't feel right. If it would. No, I, no I, I don't think it would be right. <laughs> I agree. Oh, it's just uh, to see him in a Celtics uniform again, even if it is in Orlando or whatever, <clears throat> I think would be just just beautiful as a Celtics fan. I think every Celtics fan, like, has that in their dreams, just Isaiah Thomas back, like, at least everyone around, like, my age, I'm not sure how old you are, but, like, uh, around my college, like, I grew You're up. You're in college, <laughs> right? I just graduated. You're like, our age? Oh, congratulations. Oh, you did? Awesome. Yeah, tech- thank you. Yeah, technically, I graduated. I didn't have a graduation, yeah. <laughs> but I did, uh, technically, uh, finish awesome. out my college career, so, yeah, thank you, guys. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I know you mentioned like players earning minutes. I wanted your thoughts on this quick because I I saw it all over Twitter during the season, mm-hmm. and I was a big defender of the the man, Brad Wanamaker, to get slewed, <laughs> slewed all over yeah. Celtics Twitter. And yeah, I don't get it. I, I think I, he's a good same, player. Same like, here. Uh, I mean, when I, when I was tweeting about stuff about uh, Isaiah Thomas, literally, it was just like get Brad Wanamaker out of here, get tra- uh, cut him, this and that. People. Um, People really don't like Brad Wanamaker that much. And I, I listen, he's not the perfect player. I think he's not, he doesn't put up the sexiest numbers. I get that. He only averages, I'm, I'm pulling up the stats right now. He averages 
6.6 points, 2.5 rebounds, 2 rebounds a game. But the thing is, is that his percentages, I mean, he averages 43% from the field, 37% from three, 93% from the free throw line. At one point, he was pretty close to averaging 50-40-90. Um, he had a stretch of games this past year. I, I don't remember, like, the months, the timeline of it. But he had a very good stretch at one point in the season. And I don't think – I think Celtics fans kind of give him a little too much hate than he deserves. I think that he is a pretty decent backup point guard. I don't think he's a guy that should be playing, like, 20 minutes a game. Um, would I prefer having someone like Tremont Waters? Yeah, sure. But I, I don't think Brad Wanamaker is bad in any sense of the word. I think he um, – that points this year, was he uh, – did he have his moments where, you know – he wasn't really playing that great, sure, but who doesn't? You know what I mean? Jason Tatum had a slow start to the season. Exactly. He wasn't That's shooting that great. So it's like, you know, I mean, you can't just use a small sample size to go out a player. Um, I, people are saying get rid of Wanamaker for Isaiah Thomas. Brad Wanamaker would not be the player that I'd, I'd cut to get rid of to get Isaiah Thomas. I, I mean, I, I mean, the first player I'd think of, I mean, this is a whole other discussion, but I'd probably cut someone like Javante Green. I mean, he doesn't play anyways. So it's like, that's an easy substitution right there, taking out a guy that doesn't play and putting in a guy that might not play anyways. Um, but I, I wouldn't get rid of Brad Wanamaker. I mean, he's he's old. I mean, he's 30 years old. He's going to turn 31 in a few weeks, uh, a few months. I mean, it's like he's a veteran. He he's played in uh, he's played overseas. He has the experience. I mean, he's someone that you know he doesn't have to play a lot, but he's he's someone that I'd want I'd want on the Celtics. I don't I don't want to get rid of him. Yeah, I always like. I, I remember I went at went at it with one fan. He's like, he brings nothing to the team. He's like awful. I'm just sitting there like, where are you getting this argument from? Is this yeah, like just you, like watching the game or whatever? But I, I don't know. Um, I just saw a tweet from Chris Forsberg, and he did a podcast, the the Ennis Cantor show, and Ennis quoted, uh, "If I tell you who it is, you'd go crazy." Uh, Ennis Cantor said a former teammate told him there's at least one all-star on an East playoff team who suggested he won't play if the NBA restarts. So some drama it's, there. It's going to be interesting. That's what I'm saying. I said uh, two-thirds of the top 40 NBA players yeah. said that they're concerned about it. So, I mean, obviously no names are coming out yet, but it's it's going to be interesting. I, this is something that just came out, too. So I'm gonna. it's curious to see how this is going to play out. I just, like... I just want to see basketball again, man. I, 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 I like. I, I understand. Like, I can't blame them because obviously you need to put your health and safety above everything else. And bringing the game back and rushing it is not always like necessary. Like, take your time, do everything you need to do. But just to see, I, I think I said this last week. I'm gonna be watching every single game. I don't care if it's the Grizzlies and the Spurs playing. Like, I'm gonna be in front of the TV, just trying to soak it all in because I've missed out on so much. I just like, uh, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm just excited for sports betting. Yeah, <laughs> I've missed it. I've missed it so much. Oh, uh, you'd be friends with my friend Danny. He got me into sports betting. He introduced me to the gambling <laughs> world. It was bad. Well, so, um, well, I'll tell you one. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm never going to endorse sports betting. I'm not going to tell anyone to do it. But listen, there's <laughs> you can have there. You, you got some really high moments when you sports betting. You can hit some pretty low moments too. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately for me, knock on wood, um, I've had more high moments than low moments, so that's why I'm a. Uh, I like doing it, but uh, <laughs> listen, you can get yourself stuck in a trap there. 
Oh man, I, I I don't bet like big bets because I, I don't got it like that. But like yeah, I usually do parlays and stuff. Yeah, like yeah, that. exactly. A few bucks, a few bucks. I think my my shining moment was you remember that Rocket Spurs game where like James Harden got screwed on a layup that went in and out of the rim or whatever. Yeah. I, I bet on the Spurs in like the fourth quarter when they were down 15 or something, and then they won, and it like went double OT. I was sitting there with my friends, like just shitting my pants, hoping <laughs> somehow pull out a miracle. No, that's the thing. There's some games that, that yeah. make you sweat. Let me tell you, I've had a few. I mean, there, I'll I'll give you an example. There was one game I lost. Uh, I lost on a parlay. I lost some money on a parlay, so I was like, I need to make my money back. So, I believe it was Rockets Clippers, and I bet the over in the second half, and Paul George hit a layup. He he just he would just cherry pick someone passed him underneath the basket and he just kinda waited there and he wasn't gonna put it up. And there was like five there was like three seconds left. I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And then he puts up the layup as the buzzer went off and it went in and it put me at the over. And I literally was just like sweating. Like I was shaking. I was like, oh my gosh. Like if he didn't do that, I just would have lost more money and that I would have been like so defeated. <laughs> but but that's what sports betting can do, man. It, it make I'll tell you, it makes sports so it makes sports a lot more interesting, especially if you bet on something that you don't really care about. Like, uh, I mean, I, I you can uh, anything. Like, if I'm not a big soccer guy, I, if you guys are soccer fans, I'm not uh, crapping on soccer, but I'm not yeah. a big soccer guy. But if I bet on soccer, you bet your ass I'll be sitting in front of my TV watching all 90 minutes of that, <laughs> right? Cheering my ass my off fr- whatever team I bet on. You know? Oh what I mean? my god. Like my makes, same friend makes it much more entertaining i'll tell you that yeah yeah my same friend that i was talking about about the korean baseball he bet on the german soccer league like bundesliga because he was like <laughs> fiending for something to bet on i think he's like he writes for my my website bannertown occasionally so his uh his like bio says like loves to religiously bet the over or something like that like he just always bets, <laughs> always the, bets over, the over like no always matter what the over. i love that <laughs> it's amazing it's 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 just crazy we were at the Celtics Thunder game once where Kemba decided to dribble in the corner and like yeah. just not do anything yeah. with the ball. Oh, that I remember painful. that. That was terrible. That was painful. <laughs> he, that was painful. He I was at the Nets game earlier that week when they oh freaking God, they blew that. the lead in the fourth quarter. Car- Car- Harris. Was that- yeah, Car- that Car- game. Curry or whatever you want to call him. Ridiculous. The reincarnation of Jesus Christ that game. Seriously. I, I forget who said this first, but I always hear it now. Just players, like even random players, love – to just be better than they ever have been against Celtics. Evan Chris Fournier, Middleton Chris is number one. Yep. Uh, Schmidt. Karis LeVert. Like, what is it? I don't get it. Like, there's, always uh, those, there's always those guys that, yeah. just, that for some reason they just turn into – I don't even know I don't even know the word to describe it. I mean, Chris Middleton especially. I mean, this guy literally turns into a top five player in the NBA when he plays the Celtics. It's insane. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I was the um, – uh, it, was a, it was a playoff run when we didn't have Kyrie or Hayward. And I yeah. The Celtics were up three, and he literally shoots a half-court shot right off the inbound with, like, less than a second left, and it goes in. Sends it time. And I was like, are you kidding me? Oh, God, I remember that. anyone else okay? But, like, it had to have been Chris Middleton. Like, are you out of your mind? Right after Terry Rozier hit that insane shot, too, it just ruined all the, like, yeah. oh, he hit the game. Yeah, nope. that's what that was. Chris Middleton. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Insane. <sighs> Uh, like it's like, like I said, of all the people, it just had to be him. Had to be Chris Middleton, man. It, it's and it's not even like they're just talking up shots and making a lot of them. They don't they don't miss. Like they just don't when, miss shots. When we play the Bucks, if we play the Bucks, I'm gonna yeah. be more concerned about Chris Middleton than Giannis. <laughs> oh. Serious, I'm being dead serious. No, like, yeah. Mean, at least Giannis, you know what he's gonna do. Chris Middleton, <laughs> God knows what he's gonna do when he plays us. He might drop fifty every night. I I think I wrote about this when I was talking about the Bucks. I'm I feel like you can't. 
game plan to stop Giannis. You need to game plan to stop the pieces around Giannis because you can't stop mm-hmm. him like at all. He's just gonna drive to the. You paint. know what? You know yeah. what he's gonna do every game. Exactly. Actually, I was gonna bring this up. I forgot to. The one point I always bring up when I'm defending Brad Wanamaker. I don't know if you guys remember this. We were playing the Bucks. Giannis has an open dunk, but Brad Wanamaker just goes up there and tries to block Giannis, and he had no chance of blocking him. Like, let's be honest here. The man's six feet tall. Giannis is a demigod. <laughs> Brad Wanamaker still jumps with him. I think I have the uh, whatever Twitter clip in one of my articles, but I, it was just like I respected him more than I ever had and I still do to this day. Like, I will always respect Brad Wanamaker as a player now because I know he'll put his body on the line for the team. Like, he jumped with Giannis. I and I, I actually was, remember that. Yeah, Brad Stevens challenged it because he elbowed him in the face. And, oh, yeah, when he elbowed yes. him. I do remember yes. that. Okay. Oh, my God, I dude. Talking about. Yeah, I always like think Wanamaker, of that. He's one of those guys that, you know, like, he's not going to put up the best numbers, this and that, but when he's on the court, like, He's going to give it his all. I mean, those and those are the type of players that you got to respect, and those are the type of players that you'd want mm-hmm. on your team. Yeah. Uh, this is the Brad Wanamaker podcast now, guys, in case you're wondering. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Brad I Wanamaker mean, fan club. I'm just <laughs> – I'm just excited for Celtics basketball. I'm excited for the outfits, too. Like, I want to see what uh, – Vincent Poirier brings to the table. That suit was oh, iconic. Mini sex pants. Mini sex pants. <laughs> <laughs> what oh mean? my god! Uh, I still, I, I still, weird Celtics Twitter is amazing. It's, it's beautiful. It's There's a great like thing. Oh, I, I'm interested to see if Taco gets any run in these like eight games plus the playoffs. Do you think he'll get playing time outside of garbage time or whatever? Like I know we I saw him in the first so. half what, once. I don't know. I mean, he can hit threes now, so. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, yeah. I mean, I've always, and I've said this when the Celtics signed him to a two-way contract, I've always looked at Taco Fell as a situational player. And what I mean by that is, so he's not someone that you give, you know, he's not going to be given five, ten minutes every game. He's a player that, you know, in a late-game situation, let's say the Celtics are up by one, and you put Taco Fall into either you know, stand in front of the inbounder or stand in front of the hoop to try to block a shot. I mean, first of all, who's the hell is going to pass the ball over a seven foot five taco fall standing right in front of you like that? That adds a whole nother aspect to it. And two, um, let's say you're down by one point and you have less than a second left and you need to throw it up near the baskets, get an alley-oop or something like that's the only type of basket you can make at this point. Throw in taco fall. Even if he gets like double teamed or something, someone gets left open, you can get a shot off somewhat like He's a player that you can throw in when you need to when you need a seven foot five guy to just be in the game. Um, he's not someone that I think would play <laughs> yeah, every yeah. single game, but in those situations, he and he'd be so beneficial. And that's why I think the Celtics need to hold on to him because if uh, assume, if we if we cut him, if we dropped him, another team would pick him up in a heartbeat because just just For because sure. of his size, like you can't you can't teach you can't teach yeah. him seven foot five. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. So it's like that someone like that you just want around just in, like for those situations. That's how I, mm. that's how I've always looked at him. No, Plus I, it seems like he's always uh, he's always working to get better. He seems like he's yeah, very motivated too. to and, be better. And not for nothing. Like I'm saying that now, but I mean he's someone that's worked very hard not only to get where he is, but like in the past year, like he's not a guy that he doesn't want to be an attraction. He wants to be a a legitimate, consistent role player. And, right. You know, as time goes on. Can he become that? Absolutely. I, I'm just saying that more for this this upcoming run. But of I mean, course, you know, yeah. It's like who knows? I mean, in a few years from now, 
he might be our backup center. I mean, you just don't know. If he keeps working hard, I mean, my biggest concern I always worry is that he's so like thin that he'll just go down with a knee injury or something and it would just be the worst thing ever. Um, but obviously, I don't. I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, but, you know, that's the one thing that can change. Yeah. Is that, you know, as he gets better on, he gets more experience. Like, I mean, the sky's the limit. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I was um I was at the game when Brad Stevens was, you know, egging on the crowd. Oh, sorry about my dogs. Ignore that team. Oh, team. What the heck? I think my dog just found a rabbit or something. I don't know what's going on. But I was at the game <laughs> against the Pistons, and uh, it was just in, in crazy environment. Have you guys been to any games where Taco was like, you know? I was at that game as well. Oh, really? Yeah. I went That's awesome. The, uh, I went to the game where um, – not a taco game, but it was a game where uh, the the Nets came to town and Kyrie didn't show up, so everyone was chanting like, "Where is Kyrie?" Uh, was it the first one? It was the first one. It was in November. I think it was oh, yeah. uh, the day before Thanksgiving or two days before. I, I think it was. I think it was Thanksgiving Eve. But everyone was chanting about Kyrie and stuff, and it would have been much better if he was there. But that was an electric crowd. <laughs> the best. So I've been to. I went to the game where the day after Isaiah's sister passed away. That was something because people were really pulling for him. And then I also was lucky enough to go to the Paul Pierce game, his last game. That was incredible. Uh, Was it the clip that when the Clippers Clippers game? game. That's That would be a sick game. That's amazing. Uh, I think the coolest game I've ever been to. I went to uh, Wade's last game at the garden. That was, that was dope. Mm. Just seeing Dwayne Wade in person. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Like, I, I never get expensive tickets. Like, I wait for the games. They're, like, maybe 50 bucks max, and I, I go sit in the the uh, Raptors or whatever. Uh, shout out the from the Raptors podcast. <clears throat> Anyways, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I just brought my, like, D-Wade Vice jersey that I have, and I just sat up there just to, like, see a legend. Like, the fact that him in the garden, just getting to see him in person was, was super cool. I remember I tried uh, getting tickets to Kobe's last game in Boston, but oh, they were going for like a thousand dollars. So I was like, well, insane. I guess we're going to have to watch it on TV. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I don't think I'd ever pay that much, as much as I love the Celtics. A lot of money. Yeah, that's insane. I'm, I just, I don't got it like that yet. 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 <laughs> Maybe yet. one day. <laughs> Yeah, I think, uh, high school me was not able to afford thousand dollar tickets at that point. <laughs> oh my god, I remember. Uh, I've had like uh, whatever through college and high school. I think every one of my girlfriends that I've had for my birthday have gotten Celtics tickets. Like it's just every time. Like no matter what it is, like that's just uh, what I get, and I it can be happier. I was gonna get it for my birthday this year is in March, but obviously there was no no games to be going on, so. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think we can wrap it up here. I know you got another podcast to record. I don't want to keep you for too long, but, uh, this was awesome. One of my favorite podcasts I think I've personally ever recorded. Yeah, it's Super been a blast. Awesome. I appreciate that. Uh, anything you want to say to wrap guys. it up? Um, yeah. So, I mean, like I said earlier, you can follow me on Twitter at downtown deck. I mean, that's where you can really find, uh, all my stuff. I've have, I started my own podcast chasing banners with my buddy, Ryan Sheehan. We're starting up our basketball NBA podcast called Hoops Caviar. We're going to uh, put out our first episode of that next week. And, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, you know, now that I'm out of school and stuff, I'm, I'm super excited that I can start doing this stuff full time, like putting out articles, uh, recording podcasts, and just covering Celtics. I mean, this is what I want to do. I'm sure this is, like, this is what you guys want to do, too, talking sports, yeah, right. talking Celtics. So, I mean, you know, I'm really excited for the season to come back and just all the content that we're going to be able to put out i mean we're we're talking about these things now it's like we really don't have like 
not that we don't have much to talk about, but it's just kind of us coming up with topics. Like once the season comes back, we'll have legitimate stuff to talk about. So I, I can't wait for that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Sam, anything you want to say uh, before we wrap it up here? No, I mean, follow me at Parquet Press. Um, I'll be getting back in the game soon here. I was telling Jack he's making me feel bad about all the articles he's putting out. <laughs> um, but, yeah, listen to our podcast. Mm-hmm. Follow Dante. He was nice enough to come For on. Sure. Um, I appreciate you guys having me on. I had a great time. Yep. Yeah, yeah this that's was... all I got. Yeah, it's a great time. I recently changed my Twitter handle to Bannertown Jack to kind of incorporate my my personal self into it, so I can sell that and market that. But but yeah, make sure to follow Dante's podcast, Chasing Banners, Hoops Caviar. You said it was the other yeah, one you're dropping. Yeah. Uh, Dante on deck on Twitter. Uh, he's got a huge following. Really cool guy. Uh, really nice for him to come on this podcast. But but yeah, thank you guys for listening to From the Rafters, presented by Bannertown USA and Parquet Press. Uh, catch you guys next time. Peace.